Hey guys, it's Mike, Narcs Loved It Customs podcast episode 31. Woo! I'm excited for you guys to listen to Allison Black talk about she's the CEO of Dinocom Industries, one of the world's leading dyno dynamometer manufacturers, uh, which is what you use to tune and uh, see what car, what horsepower your car puts out, all this kind of stuff. Um, I, what blew me away when I started doing some research for this one was how far reaching a company in Texas uh, gets. So she's been all over the world. Uh, they actually have dinos on every continent and some of the uh, Russia, China, Portugal, uh, everywhere, you name it, they can do it. Uh, she says that they have a 25 person team that runs that builds all of those dinos. They buy their Eddie brakes from France and they buy um, or Eddie brakes from Spain and something else from France. I don't know. So you'll have to listen to the podcast to remember or to, uh, to do it. But she's also giving us a discount code, uh, giving you guys a discount code. If you're listening to this uh, to help maybe sway your decision to go Dinocom for sure. So do some research, listen to her, listen to her on the podcast. I put all the links to all of their stuff down below. She said they're the only dyno company with a TikTok. I mean, damn, you got to get on TikTok, right? Uh, so anyways, all right, episode 31. Uh, uh, we are loading podcasts constantly. Uh, I'm fixing to record three this weekend, and uh, we're, we're putting them out as fast as we can get them. Uh, we were going to run a regular schedule, and I just said, screw it. We're going on Rocky Mountain Race Week in two and a half weeks. Uh, two weeks in a day, actually. So we're going to rock it, guys. I'm going to bring as much content to you guys as possible. So hit the subscribe button there. Um, I'm also putting a lot of these on our YouTube channel uh, with the video of us basically bobbing our heads in front of the cameras. So thank you for listening. Uh, you can find our daily updates on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. So all right, here we go. Okay, guys, I'm excited. We have Allison Black with us today with Dinocom Industries. Uh, the, I mean, am I crazy to say the world's leading dino provider? You're not crazy, Mike. Like you guys are everywhere. Um, if you go to the locator page, dino locator page, there's stuff in Russia and everything. It blows my mind. So the, Russia, the Russians are crazy, crazy horsepower. <laughs> that's awesome. So we're going to talk about that a little bit because I, I've I've always wondered like what area of the world surprises you the most as far as like the horsepower numbers and things like that. So, so we'll definitely get into that. Uh, but one question I think to start off with, like, has anybody ever broken a Dynocom dyno because of too much horsepower? So no Dynocom dyno has ever broken due to too much horsepower. There have been other dynos that have been broken due to horsepower, but not a Dynocom dyno. That's awesome. So uh, what you're saying is a uh, big quality products there. Now the vet you have in the back is on the hub dyno, right? And then uh, you guys also do uh, rollers and things like that. So we'll talk about that too. What's the highest uh, horsepower and torque rating that you've ever heard of on one of your dynos? So it was a, um, a top fuel, I don't think you call them funny cars, just like a top fuel dragster. It was actually a, a, a female. I can't, we can't really talk about it because, you know, we signed NDAs and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but it was an excess of close to 9,000 horsepower. Jeez, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. I guess because sometimes you need to make some passes to where you're not like needing to make a pass. You need to make exactly. Yes, that's really cool. So uh, we talked on the phone. Uh, I don't know. I can't even remember what day it is. I'm working from home. As everybody that's been watching the videos has seen pictures of my kids back here behind me, and <laughs> I'm at the dinner table. So, uh, but on our call, you had said that uh, your folks aren't necessarily car folks, but that your grandfather was a tool and die maker. Correct. Yeah. My dad is a retired physician and my mom is a retired teacher. Um, but my grandfather, yeah, my, on my dad's side was a tool and die maker. So I think that's where I got my manufacturing from was from him. That's awesome. So, uh, he definitely sparked some interest in your, like, how did things work mentality exactly. side of your brain? So uh, on the call, you also said that you became interested in cars uh, in high school. Is there a cool story there? Uh, I have my high school boyfriend had a <laughs> clear. Okay. Remember those? Yep. So, and he was into modding it, and I just kind of learned through osmosis through that. And it That's wasn't. Awesome. I was in university where I bought my first actual car. Oh well, what was that? Fox body Mustang, five liter. Hey, there you go. Notchback or uh, hatch? I had a hatchback. The first oh, sweet. Hatch, yeah. 235 horsepower. And hey, those cars, they were super light, so they were relatively fast. Yeah. Started modding it, and that's kind of how I got into all of this, I guess. Yeah, Fox body Mustangs have definitely opened the door for a ton of people. Yeah. Um, so... Obviously, starting out with that as your first car, but what did you learn to drive in? Uh, automatic transmission was my dad's Chrysler LeBaron. <laughs> turbo. And then manual transmission was a five-liter Mustang. Sweet. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, did you work through college and stuff? Or, like, what, I guess really my question there is, like, what was your first job? My first job, actually, my grandparents owned a clothing store in downtown uh, where I grew up and I worked there actually, um, probably from the age of about 12 and uh, been working ever since, so. Yeah, some retail experience there early on. Absolutely. That's always good, especially like with uh, you know, learning to talk to people and stuff at an at a early age like that. Exactly, running the credit cards with those old big machines, <laughs> remember those? <laughs> Carbon copies and it was, I learned a lot. That's awesome. So uh, before we get into like all your work stuff, because I know that's why everybody's here. Um, you married? You have some children? I am. I've been married for, I just celebrated my 19th wedding anniversary in August. Dang, congratulations. Yeah. And then I have three kids, uh, boy, boy, girl. So senior, I have a senior in high school this year, 13 year old and then a 10 year old daughter. Oh man, so I have a 10-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old daughter, so we're, we're getting into the Mally phase. Yeah, exactly. Now, are any of those car folks, like the car guys or girls? Uh, my middle son actually is. I drag him to all like the events, and so he, he actually is. That's really cool. So uh, let's talk about your car history. Like, uh, so obviously, Fox Body Mustang, I mean, any other cool cars in that mix? Started modding um, Mustangs, and then when I turned 40, I won't say how long ago. 
<laughs> I bought a, you know, a lot of people, you know, they're going to buy Corvette. So mm -hmm. I bought an R35. That was like my dream kind of car. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I got, I called up Cobb because I know some of the guys over there. And so did some bolt-ons. My husband's like, you can only do pump gas. He won't allow me to do anything but pump gas. Cause he's like, what if you run out of gas? So like now that includes E though, right? Yeah, no, not all, it has to be like in, t in Texas, we have 93 octane. So, oh, wow. Okay. So that could work. I mean, yeah, we're spoiled. But limited, but Right. We're spoiled in Bentonville. I, I literally have like E85 at five stations within a mile of the house. So that's what we're converting the truck to is some, some E85, you know, yeah. a little more boost. Exactly. So what did you do? Cause I listened to another podcast that you were on um, a few years ago uh, with some guys and you worked for like a phone company, right? So uh, what'd you do before Dynocom? I guess is where I'm trying to go with that. So I grew up in actually Toronto, Canada and I went to university, I got a bachelor's of arts, and then I went back and got an MBA. Mm. With an arts degree, there's only so many things you can do. And uh, while I when I graduated university, I worked for a number of different um, manufacturing companies, but mainly there was one or two companies I worked for where we did a lot of the supplying to the OEMs. I would drive literally from my house to across the border of Windsor to Detroit, and I'd visit. I'd, been to all the big three and all their tier one and tier two suppliers. So I've literally been on eight mile road. Wow. That's cool. It's, it's yeah, that was a long time ago. So um, <laughs> like I've also been to Juarez. So I've been all over the world, you know, Juarez many years ago before it was really bad, but there's a lot of manufacturing, you know, across the borders, you know, especially mm -hmm. NAFTA and stuff like that. So been to a lot of factories and not just domestic. Um, I've been to, you know, BMW in Spartanburg and been to a number of different plants all over the United States, Canada, Mexico. That's crazy. So yeah. um, I was reading that Dynocom opened in 06. Right. So, like fixing to have a 14 year anniversary or something. But the way it was worded, it was almost like Dynocom's been around longer or the parent company has maybe been around longer. Uh, can you kind of tell us a little bit about that? We started actually as a Canadian company in Canada. And then um, obviously the majority of the market in the world is the United States, you know, for dinos. I can imagine. <laughs> so yeah, we, we, and especially, you know, the fact that we offer, you know, well, before COVID, you know, we include training with every purchase in person at our location, so. Oh, wow. And, yeah, Texas actually is a great central location for a lot of people to come to. It's. You know. And the, the weather's easy. You're not really fighting. You wouldn't fight a ton of weather as far as like flights in and out or, you know, people driving and things like that. Exactly. Um, so am, am I remembering this right that you said you've been on, you've been with Dino since 06 as well? Correct. From the beginning. Wow. So you're like an OG. I'm OG. You've been around there for a while. So yeah. uh, you said you're the COO. Yes. What does that mean? Like, what's your typical day look like? Right. So chief operating officer. So I started actually in sales. That's my background has always been sales. Um, but basically migrated into developing a dealer network for all of our dinos, especially international. Um, language is a big deal. I, I only speak English and a little bit of French, a little bit of Spanish, you know, enough to swear. 
And uh, so just developing that network of dealers and support, especially for international customers, um, just growing the company, you know, when it's just a few people and, you know, um, you know, sometimes you projected, you know, we want 50 employees. Um, I don't necessarily think 50 employees, you know, with automation and some things, and I don't think 50 employees is necessarily the goal that I'm seeing, but um, the company itself has, you know, definitely grown. We have about, depending on the time of year, we have about 20 to 25 people. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Now, um, and this is a question that's later, but I'm going to ask it now. So, cause I'm curious. So do you, when you are manufacturing your stuff, do you manufacture it there in Texas as well? We do. We manufacture everything in house, all the hardware, software, firmware, wow. electronics, machining, welding, everything. Uh, the main components we don't manufacture are the eddy brakes, uh, which come from Spain. And then there's some other components, these Trasco couplers we purchased, those come from Italy. But, the, you know, the, I'd say, you know, 90% of the parts we manufacture are in Texas. So I work in logistics as a day job, um, not on the scale of what you guys do as far as shipping stuff that, well, sometimes we ship stuff. Other. I can't imagine, because we do stuff uh, in and out of Canada quite a bit. I, and I know that's difficult. I can't imagine trying to figure out Spain and all those Russia and Portugal and all the places trying to get, you know, something that's the size of an automobile uh, shipped over there. So yeah, that's that's really neat um, that it's all done right here in the USA. It's it's really, or most of it, I guess you know whatever however you want to word it. But that's pretty awesome that guys in Texas are putting that together. If I'm down there, I'm gonna have to come for a tour. That'd be really cool. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so before we dig deep, because I, I want to talk about uh, kind of how the pods came about, how rollers and all that kind of stuff, uh, but where all can people find, like if they wanted to find information about Dynocom, you know, like let's give them the website, all the social media outlet names and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So Dynocom.net. We do also own Dynocom.com. It just reroutes to Dynocom.net. Uh, obviously, the website, Facebook is Dynocom. We are also um, the only people, the only Dino company with a TikTok channel. And I did just follow your TikTok. I see you, hey. are, you are popular on TikTok. We, we have a few good videos. I've got to get back on the TikTok stuff. Yeah. Before, before they ban it. like I'm 70. Yeah. <laughs> so TikTok, Instagram is, uh, we're, we're number one, a Dino company on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. We have the most followers. So that's awesome. Okay. And yep. I'll, I'll go through and I'll link all those in the show notes. Uh, that way folks can just direct link from there. And then wherever we share all this, hopefully all of them will see that too. So you get some more TikTok followers and Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. Um, so explain to everyone how a dyno works, like m help me understand. I mean, I'm not a layman, but like, I, you know, I want to know how it, spins and converts and all that stuff. So there's, and of course, when you say dynos, dynos have been around, chassis dynos have been around since the automobile, basically. So they've been around a long, long time. I don't know if there's a picture, I'll send it to you later. It's like a Model A um, right now. And, um, you know, the, there's, there's chassis dynos, there's hub dynos, there's engine dynos. I think one really important thing just to note is that the SAE standards for dynos is only for engine dynos. So there is no 
Society of Automotive Engineers standard for chassis or hub dynos. So I think that's a big question. Yeah, because, you know, people say, well, how do you how do you read compared to DynoJet? You know, or, or, you know, my customers are expecting, you know, XYZ number. And the truth is, is that there really is no standard. Um, There's standards, you know, like SAE J45 and there's DIN, which is a European standard, but there's no actual manufacturing standard for chassis or hub dynos. That makes sense. And so, uh, Robert, when we were tuning my, uh, my old truck, we were talking about, like, he was like, my dyno's kind of stingy, but he's like, a dyno isn't necessarily just to see what your horsepower is. I mean, it's a total tuning. I mean, it's, you know, tune every gear, all that kind of stuff. Cause you know, you make a full rip pass and second gear on the street. I mean, like that could be dangerous in some spots, you know? So especially the locations of the shops and things like that. Yep. In Europe, they call them rolling roads, which I think is a really good term because basically mm-hmm. that's what you want to do. You want to simulate driving. That's awesome. So, and then uh, I was looking and there's all different kinds of like uh, roller sizes. I mean, there's everything from like a, like a quad roller that I, I don't understand that. And we'll have you explain that in a little bit, but like some of those are like 48 inch roller wheels or whatever you call that. Yeah, it's like 8.75 inches in diameter all the way up to 48 inches in diameter. And That's every size, wild. It's crazy. <laughs> it really, the, the cradle rollers actually emerged from the emissions market. So they like them because, you know, you never had to tie the vehicle down. The, the tire would sit in the cradle and you just went, you know, sat between it and you're only going, you know, 30 miles an hour is basically just for emissions. So but um, there are some advantages to smaller rollers. There's advantages to larger rollers and there's advantages to hub dynos. So that's why we make them all. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I can imagine, you know, with the team as small as that, uh, your engineers are there. I'm sure they're always looking at stuff, trying to try to eke out one more thing that's going to make you guys just stay in the front. And, and I want, that's a question uh, later too. I feel like I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'm going to get back on my notes here. Okay. So, <laughs> Uh, you have manufacturing all over the world. What is the one market that surprises you the most on uh, like how much horsepower and horsepower freaks that are there? I would say China. Um, Yeah. You know, I've been there. I've done the SEMA show in Dubai and I've done it in China um, but yeah, really mainland China. I've been to, you know, South Korea, which makes sense. You know, they have uh, Kia and Hyundai and, and they do, there's, you know, the love of automobiles is international. So we literally have a dyno on every continent. Um, so if, you know, from the time they started making cars, people started modeling, modded, <laughs> obviously measuring them. So yeah, China, because, you know, China is, you can't import any vehicle uh, or you pay basically double the vehicle price in tax. That's over two liters. So China is an interesting place. They do like to modify their cars there. It's a big, it's, it's a billion people. Yeah. You start doing the math on, you know, even if 3% of a billion people are into cars, that's a bunch. <laughs> it is. It is. That's, that's really wild. That's, that's awesome. So, uh, obviously you just said you kind of get to travel to a bunch of really cool spots. What is like, what is an annual event every year that you feel like is on the, on your list? 
that you feel like you've got to go to. Yeah. Pure eye show for sure. Performance racing show. Mm -hmm. we, we did yeah, that. I liked it when it was in Orlando. <laughs> Indianapolis in December, not so much, but Orlando, I was down with Orlando. Right. So we went uh, in 17 because my brother lived in Indy, lived like an hour east of Indy. And so we were up there visiting him. I'm like, man, this is perfect timing. So he had a G8 that was cam and converter and all this kind of stuff. And on the way there, it was fine. Everything was dry. We're in there for like five or six hours or whatever. The wives would let us get away. And then we drove back home and it had snowed like six or eight inches. And it was dangerous. It was, it was pretty, well, it was the first time I'd been in a situation like that in a long, long, long time. Especially with something with, you know, 400 wheel horsepower. So it was pretty interesting. Yeah, usually you drive your beater car in the winter, you know, <laughs> up north. <laughs> right. Well, we were thinking, oh, man, this will be fun. We'll get into some trouble on the way back and forth to, uh, to Indy. And we did on the way back, for sure. <laughs> we were just skating. Uh, so let's talk about uh, hub dynos real quick. Um, what was the chance, like, I guess in reading, and some of the folks will, will know this before I ask, but um, I guess probably the reason for doing those is because of the uh, traction limiting factor on some of the rollers. Is that kind of where that came from? So Dynacom actually has the patent, the U.S. patent on eddy current hub dynos. Yeah, so we literally invented it. We have three patents. Uh, I can talk about those later. We have one that we're about to file, which I need to come back and talk about. I can't talk about it yet, but it's going to be an absolute game changer. Actually, there's nothing really to do with dynos. So it's really, really interesting. But so back in 2009, um, you know, there was always the hydraulic uh, hub dyno, like Rototest. I don't know if you're familiar with that dyno. But basically, it's like a hub dyno that uses um, hydraulics. And um, the reason that eddy currents really weren't that popular back then is because, you know, just like engine dynos, how they use water. Water is easy to control at low RPM and no horsepower, but that's zero. So eddy currents, you have to be going a certain speed for them to actually start generating the current. But with the technology, it's much faster to... Um, manipulate electronic, like an eddy current brake, the electronics than it is a uh, water, like a valve. So it's, it's instantaneous. So basically we saw the need to move into, and we also, what Dynacom also has, uh, has we invented our own eddy current brake. So it was kind wow. of all at the same time. Yeah. Um, we don't really use it much anymore because our supplier Fresnelza is really, you know, we, we're a dyno manufacturer, not an eddy current manufacturer. We really worked with our suppliers to get them to make these eddy brakes because just, you know, the torque is going up and up and up. And that's what dynos measure. They measure torque, not horsepower. Uh, and then they, that's converted into horsepower. So, so yeah, people are like, how much horsepower can this eddy brake hold? And it's really not, it's really foot pounds is how you have to measure it. So, yeah. So am I crazy to see some of those on there were saying like 10,000 foot pounds? You can, because you know, you've got it at the crank, right, at, at the engine, and then you multiply by the rear end ratio. So a thousand foot pounds at the engine, let's say you've got 410 gears, so that's 4,100 foot pounds of torque. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. 
That's pretty awesome. Diesels make a lot of torque. Yeah, my brother has a uh, an 11 Ram that we've got injectors and turbo and all that kind of stuff, and it makes like 1,400 is what we're guessing. Uh, Robert Lee at NW Street Works won't let us put it on the dyno. <laughs> He's not very nice, you know. He, he just doesn't want you to like roll coal in his shop or? That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it is dirty. It is dirty. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We were over at a dyno day one, one time and like three diesels in a row went through and he was like, no more diesels. I can't breathe. It's crazy. Yep. So let's talk, um, let's talk, uh, hub dyno and then roller. And then, uh, like why someone would choose like the, the small roller compared to like a, a big roller setup. Okay. So hub dynos, I would say the, the new evolution of them now is really to, for horsepower. But when we, the, the title of the patent is actually, it's a pod, which stands for portable, portable on vehicle dynamometer. So they really are truly portable. Um, they're on wheels, they move around, there's adjustment for camber and things like that. So you know, in places like Tokyo or, you know, places across the world where, you know, if you have a thousand square foot shop, you know, it's $300 a square foot. So you're really limited. You can't put a 24 inch roller in there. It's space is very limited or you need to move them out of the way. Mm -hmm. um, really nice for that application. So space is one. And then I would definitely say anybody doing over 2,500 horsepower on a, a daily occurrence would definitely should go to a hub dyno. Wow. Because of the, yeah. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Now, how many uh, customers do you think you have that uh, have that level of clientele? Not that many, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the truth is, is really, you know, like SEMA and PRI, a lot of it is, I mean, personally for myself is street stuff, you know, even I'm street racing and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, there's always the people who are gonna bring their cars off trailers and things like that. But I would say the majority of the market is got to be probably 70% is under 1500 horsepower. Oh yeah. That's I would almost awesome. venture to say 70% is under 700 horsepower, you know, <laughs> being around, you know, for sure. That's awesome. And you know, when you consider like a street car, I, I'll ask you this too, because uh, you obviously know some stuff. So what would you figure is like a, a number that's fun on the street, but still a, respectable number i think like around eight to nine hundred or eight not eight hundred horsepower i'd say is is plenty definitely lets you roll the tires at like 70 miles an hour and, and that's fun exactly. that's awesome so okay so i saw that one of the one of the uh, pod dynos is rated to 300 miles an hour actually they're all rated for 300 miles an hour I believe even the Jeez. least expensive yeah, that's insanity. It is. And then uh, one, like you can, you can get into one for under like thirty. Is that what I was seeing too? For the chassis dynos, they mm -hmm. start around basically twenty-five, and then the hub dyno, the least expensive one, is around thirty-five thousand. That's awesome. I mean, you know, you think like as a shop, like a, a small shop, like Robert and them, um, those guys. I mean. What would a like a what would you say to a small shop that's kind of on the fence about uh, adding a dyno, like to you know kind of push them over the edge? I guess sell it a little bit. For sure. I mean, there's a couple of things. Obviously, you know, if you're doing any tuning and you're doing any steady state tuning, 
you know, trying to map ECUs or trying to do cell by cell. I mean, it's, you can't, that's just impossible. So, you know, you definitely need a dyno. And then, you know, I know plenty of people who've been tuning, um, tuning in a car with a laptop and they'll rear end somebody and, you know, you, you really can't go 300 miles an hour on the street. Nope. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's, it's, and then there's a whole aspect of just drivability. You know, somebody says, I hear a knock at 60 miles an hour. Um, we have a whole OBD2 integration, just, you know, regular, just maintenance, engine break-in. There's so many other things you can do with the dyno. I mean, I would say our customers live on the dyno, you know, eight hours a day that are on the dyno. That's really, I, I had never thought about that aspect of it because I was just thinking tuning for horsepower or drivability or whatever. But yeah, you know, somebody's having an issue with a weird vibration at 60. You could put it on the dyno and try and figure out where the vibrations come from. That makes sense. Um, how many dynos a year do you guys sell? So we try to set, we try to ship three systems a week. That's the goal. Whoa, that's like 150 a year. And so you probably, yeah, that's about right. Good weeks too. Obviously three is the, you know, quota. That's awesome. Exactly. And then there's all wheel drive systems. You know, we, we consider that really two dynos because you know, there's basically two dynos and everything in between. So yeah. So you had hinted earlier about uh, something that you're working on. Uh, what are some of the other like cool features and products that you guys are working on that uh, that'll keep you out front? So I think a couple of things that set us apart um, from some other dyno companies is we have the uh, VRS, which is, stands for Virtual Road Simulation. And what does that include? That includes the entire 2020 EPA database. So. Um, you know, the EPA is another thing we can talk about a little bit later on, but the, the main purpose of the BRS is that you go ahead and you enter, you know, uh, 2015, you know, Camaro SS, and it'll auto-complete in the software, you know, the weight, vehicle coefficients, er, all, all the information provided to the EPA. So that auto-populates in the software, and so you don't have to guess about how much load to use or what kind of test to run. You just literally enter that run, and it'll basically act like it is on the street or the track. Wow, that's pretty neat. Yeah, VRS is a, is a great um, feature. We're the only people who do have that in our software. We also have, you know, we're in Texas, so we have the mile test. We have a quarter mile, we have an eighth mile. Um, we have a half mile test. Uh, we have a virtual drag tree so you can launch, you know, off the trans brake. Dang, that's cool. Yeah, those are pretty cool. They're a little scary. Um, you know, people are like, well, am I going to break the dyno? Well, you're going to break the car before you break the dyno. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's Drive awesome. shafts are a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And, well, yeah. Uh, and the other thing I think is we're actually really popular in our software that we do that a lot of the other companies aren't doing is we're doing ECU integration. So we've gone to all the big aftermarket ECU manufacturers like FuelTech and Holly and uh, Megasquirt, AEM, and we literally can data log right from the ECU all these channels, about fi up to about 50 channels into the, into the Dyna software. That's really so, cool. Yeah, you can see all sorts of information and plot it and, you know, it's really a nice feature to have. That's awesome. So here's what I would like to do. Um, I'm like, I don't know if you've heard all the dinging, but work is is calling. So, so I've got about five more questions, but I definitely want to have you back. I, I think I want to do some more research and learn a little more and then uh, have you back so we can, we can dig deep. 
because because I think there's some really neat stuff that a lot of people that may not necessarily be as in-depth car guys as what uh, you are and maybe where I'm headed. Um, I think they'll get a lot of uh, information that they can use. So let me ask this. What's the future of Dynocom? Like, where are you guys going? What are you doing? What, what are you working on? We are working on, like I said, that other patent that I can, mm -hmm. I'll talk about time, hopefully, because our provisional is going to be filed next week. Um, so, you know, just as the way cars are going, you know, everything's becoming more and more sophisticated. You know, back in the day, you know, that Fox body Mustang compared to the ECUs and, you know, even my GTR, it's, you know, with all-wheel drive and speed synchronization from front to rear, just the processors and the cars are getting much faster and the diners yeah. have to basically evolve with that too, so. Right, and then what about for you? What's the future hold for you? Sending kids to college and working more? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right now I've got three kids at home who are learning virtually, so. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we, we send our kids to school. I was, I, I was like, y'all have to go to school. Dad can't do work and do your schoolwork. <laughs> or make sure they're, they're supposed to go back work. after Labor Day. Yeah, so. Wow. God, that's wild. Who would have ever thought we'd be trying to teach our kids? If you told me we we're going to be wearing masks and all this stuff like a year ago, I'd laugh at you, Mike. I'd right. Say all right. So uh, here's the four questions I ask everybody. So I'll ask you first, what's the fastest you've ever driven? Mile per hour wise. That's a good question. Um, I would say I'm probably 169. Hey. <laughs> what, what was that in? What was that, Mike? What, what was that in? Oh, a GT500. Ooh, that's what's up. And then yeah. when you're working on a car or parts or something like that, um, you have gloves or bare hands kind of gal? Uh, bare hands. Oh, got to be able to touch it and feel it. And then uh, if you have these two bottles laying on the table and you got to get one, are you a WD-40 or PB Blaster kind of person? WD-40. Mmm, it's swinging. Uh, usually everybody's PB Blaster because they don't – they but they hate the smell of it. And then uh, the last three or four people we've had have been WD-40 folks, so it's interesting. And then this is one that may take you just a second, or it may not. Unlimited budget, you're not even having to write the check, you get to do it because you're an awesome person. Uh, what is your dream car? Bugatti. I like it. 1,001 horsepower from mm -hmm. the factory. And just really, really, really nice car, you know? Gorgeous. I love it. Yeah, it's not not like a, a ratty thousand horsepower. It's like a, like, ah, uh, I could drive this all day thousand horsepower. Classy horsepower. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, hey, I want to say thank you for sitting with us. I'm sorry I have to cut this short. I have several more questions, but they are, they are like, get to work over here. So um, we'll definitely have you back on. Um, We'll back and forth with some emails to kind of figure out a time for that. And um, just thank you again. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. And I would just like to say that if anyone's listening to your podcast, we do offer a discount code for any of your listeners. They can Ooh. say they heard, they watched this and heard about it and mention it and we'll give them a special deal on a dyno. Oh, well, so. perfect. well we certainly appreciate that. So I'm going to move that up to the front and uh, that way we'll you, Mike. more folks. Oh. How about that?
<laughs> I think I'm going to watch it. Okay, there we are. There we go. Well, hey, we thank you for that too, certainly. Oh, it's saying my internet connection is unstable. Okay. Thank you very much. It needs to be tuned. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bye. Thank, thank you, Mike. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye.